Good evening, Amsterdam. How is everyone doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing better now that I can actually record my podcast. So, the background music... I uh, was whipped together rather hastily in a bit of software called BandLab. It's uh, made by Google or, you know, integrated into Google. You just go and search BandLab and it'll pop up. reason for this is uh, uh, my GarageBand on my Apple Mac decided to just stop working. It's um, protesting for its freedom, I suppose. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I got stuck, so I had to find something. So I googled uh, audio software, yeah, this popped up, I tried it. It's 100% free, it's, uh, it can do anything you want. Apparently it can only record up to 15 minutes uh, worth of uh, audio. I process 15 minutes worth of audio, but I mean, that's, that's more than enough to write a track uh, or just put down some, some sound for whatever you want to use it for, musically. Uh, it's a pretty neat software. This is a. Uh, it's not as intuitive as GarageBand would be, but it um, definitely gets the job done. And it's it's fun to work with and figure it out. And it's an interesting bit of tech. I really like it. It's. Uh, yeah, this is a tech show, so double whammy bonus. Right. Let's talk about wide angle. Wide angle. Um, as you noticed, uh, is, is uh, about a wide angle. <laughs> no, it is about scope. It's about viewing things from uh, from far away, I suppose, and getting a wide view of things. Uh, it'll be a show based around technology and cameras. Uh, cameras and optics are a huge, a much bigger part of our life lives at the moment than what we actually admit to. Uh, it's in our cell phones, it's in our streets, they are everywhere, cameras are absolutely everywhere, and they in the consumer's hands as well, and they're not just um, a tool for watching and, and um, communicating, they're also an instrument for creating and documenting, and I think it's a beautiful thing. So tonight I'm going to be talking about uh, a really cool camera, really great camera, and then I'm going to be talking about a really shit camera um, that I almost bought which wasn't great. And then I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, camera sensors and pixels and what they are and why are they important, why are they not important, um, what you should look at, um, what whatever genre you're in, I will discuss that later. Um, yeah, but I think we, it's, let's start with, with uh, the first camera, the camera I like, my favorite camera in the world bar none. It's called the Fuji X100V. It's part of the X100 range. Uh, my story around this camera is I actually bought the X100F many years ago when it came out um, first time around. Uh, and there were models before that. There was uh, sort of the Mark 1, the Mark 2s. It was, I think it was called just first the X100, then the X100T, then the S, and I think then the F. Um, each model that came out, the, the camera just became more and more refined and, and better at what it does. 
And the reason I got this camera is I wanted a camera to take photographs of my uh, daughter with. Um, uh, my daughter had just been born and she was about to be born. And I said to my wife, we got to get a camera. I had I'd owned many cameras before then. I had had uh, lots of studio equipment. I'd sold all of that off as the, the industry sort of changed in South Africa. And um, guys went from having big commercial studios to really um, having no work pretty much overnight. Um, there's a lot of uh, production houses that, that, you know, took over a large share of things. Um, digital technology enabled people to just, you know, completely mess up the pricing structure and uh, ultimately the quality of a lot of things. Um, so I got rid of all my stuff and I was really over photography. I was working in the um, production side of things uh, for a big studio and I hated cameras. I was over it. I, I looked at cameras every day. I told people how to use them. I sort of, you know, experimented, did stuff uh, to get the cameras to the optimum performance for our applications and, and, you know, how to integrate them, the software and things we were using. It was, uh, yeah, I guess you could say a rather tedious, um, more tech and, and info-driven occupation at that stage. So cameras were not at the top of my list. So when I decided to buy another camera, um, I didn't take the decision lightly and I did some research and I tried different cameras and I, I, I ultimately, I, I sort of stumbled across the Fuji because I was looking at a, a camera that Nikon was going to release and then um, they couldn't because they were uh, had too many sort of uh, setbacks due to the earthquake and tsunami that they had in 2011 and the next best camera to this was this Fuji. Now the Fuji is a, a rangefinder camera with an optical hybrid viewfinder and for those of you who don't know what a rangefinder camera is it's it's a camera that does not have a mirror mechanism or a prism that you look through. You look straight through the camera on the left it's got a very compact flat little body um, and you sort of offset slightly to what the lens sees and there's a little little heads-up display targeting system that helps you to uh, you know get within 99% uh, of what the lens is going to see uh, in this case this little optical viewfinder is a hybrid so it actually can uh, heads-up display things it's got a um, all the information can be visible and uh, it switches over to a digital display if you so wish um, that is corrected to the sensor what the sensor is seeing so then you'll see exactly that and it does this automatically when you bring your the camera up to your eye um, so you could either set it to look on the, the big screen on the back like everyone else is doing um, or you can set it to you know look through the viewfinder, which is which is pretty cool. And what this allows you to do is it actually allows you to shut off um, the outside world. I mean that that's what photography is about. You you don't think about what's going on around you. You just look at the image. Um, something that you can't really do with a mobile phone, apart from the mobile phone's quality being really shite. Um, yeah, getting getting off track here. Yeah, this camera. It feels good in your hands. It's got a magnesium alloy body. It's weather sealed, so you can, you know, if it's raining, you're not going to have any issues. If your if your kid spills uh, food on it or you know drink on it, um, you should be able to clean it relatively easily. 
the quality of this camera is ridiculously good for a camera that's slightly chunkier than a cell phone with a you know small lens slapped on it you get pretty much pretty close to professional quality images um, it's a great street photography camera it's very inconspicuous it doesn't make a noise it's quiet um, yeah the features on it are you know it's got everything you want it's got uh, very good performance across the ISO range it's got uh, 26 million pixels or megapixels we'll get into that later it's a crop sensor so the sensor is smaller than 35 mil so how that relates to the lens is you need to multiply the lens uh, the focal distance by I think it's 1.5 1.6 which means a 23 mil f2 lens that's on there becomes a 35mm f2 lens which is great for street photography um, you can even do hero shots with it if you need to do like you know homemade pack shots uh, it's great for portraits as well it does it does uh, mess a bit with the um, sort of stretches out the, the dimensions a bit but not to the extreme like say a 24mm or a fisheye would do so it's got a, a lovely little balance it also has a, a crop mode where you can actually um, crop in to give you the equivalent of a 50mm or a 70mm lens but you lose you lose quite a bit of uh, the pixel count on that so you lose a bit of quality and it's not really what you want to do something else that's amazing about this camera it's got a leaf shutter um, as opposed to a uh, regular shutter a focal plane shutter the leaf shutter what it allows you to do it allows you to expose the sensor uh, instantaneously to the image that's being projected onto it by the lens. How this is different from a normal uh, curtain shutter is the curtain shutter will uh, expose the frame from left to right whereas the leaf shutter as you can sort of judge by the name uh, it's, a, it's a bunch of blades that resemble leaves that are sort of overlaid, overlapped um, like you would have in your blinds at home um, and they all pull up mechanically and they all expose a frame at the same time so that that is brilliant because it allows you to use high-speed flash sync now high-speed flash sync is good because you can shoot at fast shutter speeds into the Sun and have a full-in flash sync with your camera whereas before you you wouldn't be able to sync at high speeds uh, it's quite tricky to sync at high speed if you, if you you know with um, in a normal situation you would have an external flash and you'd have a light meter and you'd, you'd have to have a leaf shutter camera to do it or um, <clears throat> a mirrorless camera that can do it so this little camera this little little uh, <laughs> little little baby camera can do this and I think that is that is that's fucking amazing so the camera that I was shooting with and I've been shooting with for some time it's a beautiful camera. It's got all the fe these features. But, ooh, someone just shot off a firework. Happy New Year. And uh, wish I was close. The uh, lost my train of thought. People are shooting fireworks at me. I can know. So it's got film simulations. Uh, Fuji made lots of film back in the day. Different films. You get slide films. You had. Um, slide copy forms, you had you know, chroma key forms, you had negative film, um, cold film, warm film, saturated colors, all these things were there and they've, they've put this 
has presets in the camera so you can shoot with these presets and it'll give you a JPEG to those specifications and you'll also have the RAW file uh, if you want to tinker with it afterwards. It has a double exposure feature, you can do landscapes with it, panoramics, um, it's got it's got a shitload of features built into it. I mean, there, there's so many. I, I don't think I ever used half of them. Um, to be honest, I just leave it in automatic and I point and shoot and I get the shot every time because it's it's just that good. It's um, it definitely is that good. It, it's uh, it looks a bit like a Leica. I don't know if you know what the Leicas look like. Leica is a very famous rangefinder camera. They sell for like over a hundred hundred thousand uh, rand. Um, over here, you're looking at you know starting at five six thousand k for like entry level cameras with them. Um, it's just a, a camera that's ergonomic, uh, feels right in your hand, and everything is, you know, calculated down to the the microns and the nano nanometers. It's it's a really well engineered camera. Um, not something I, I buy myself unless I was a gazillionaire, and. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've, I've used them professionally as well, in, in some shoot situations, and they didn't didn't really appeal to me. Um, I think if you're a press photographer or a street photographer, that's definitely a camera you would want. Um, but for anything else, it, it's sort of it doesn't really work for me. My in my my case anyway. So that is the Fuji X100V. Now, when I say to you, this is a camera to invest in. Um, I mean that it is something that you can not feel guilty about spending money on because the photographs it's going to give you of uh, whatever you take but I think in most cases um, family photographs and if you have children and you want to get good photographs of them go out and look at this camera look at the it's, it retails for about 1400 euro which can be a bit steep um, the previous model the F model that's it's with about, I'd say, losing about maybe 15 to 20 percent of the uh, enhancements, those are selling for about 900. Second-hand markets, you can get them um, for cheaper than that as well. And if that's still too cheap, you too too expensive for you, look at the look at what Fuji's got um, in the the entry-level mirrorless camera range, where you've got uh, interchangeable lenses as well. Um, there's quite a few options. They start at about 300 for like a body, and then you can add a lens to it. Um, these things are also very much. Uh, it's got a large following, so there's a lot of second-hand equipment around for it. You can also buy third-party lenses. Um, some are completely manual, some are automatic with autofocus. So um, it's it's a it's a range I would not have any problem investing in. Regardless of whether whether I'm going to um, shoot Fuji forever or switch to another brand, I'll always have those Fuji cameras, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of never let them go, really. Yeah, and that is that is the the really good camera I wanted to speak about. The really shitty camera um, I wanted to speak about is the Nikon Z7 Mark One. It's a terrible camera. Don't buy it. Especially now with the prices dropping, they've dropped the prices because they're releasing the Mark II, which um, I'll be looking at quite hard when it arrives in December. Uh, Nikon released this camera, the, the Z range, around about the same time that um, Canon released the first uh, R 
which is a 30 megapixel mirrorless camera from their end. Now, Nikon and Canon haven't really been in the mirrorless game. Um, they've dabbled with a few smaller camera models. Um, and Fuji and uh, Sony, considering they've been in the mirrorless game for some time. Sony's, the first cameras they brought out, the, I wasn't happy with the build quality and the lenses were really shitty. And it really didn't work for me. I know they have improved a lot. Uh, they, they're bringing out some seriously good cameras now, but I'm, I'm still not convinced. I still think they're more video orientated. Um, and it's just, for me, the camera doesn't feel right. I think that's maybe a um, something they'll get right over time. Just coincidentally, Sony manufactures all the CC, oh, not CCD, sorry, CCDs are dead. All the sensors, um, CMOS sensors and other sensors that go into digital cameras, apart from Canon's camera. Um, they manufacture them, they, they, they are, yeah, they've been sticking them in cameras for quite some time, so they know what they're doing. Um, they definitely have the, the tech, uh, and they, they've been basically leading the, the video and, and um, you know, television production cameras. Those things are, are brilliant. And the stills game, they're still pretty new, but they're really churning out some really, really good stuff. Uh, I have to add that... Uh, Sorry, some dead air there. Uh, I was going to add something. Um, yes, I was going to add Nikon. Nikon have, like I said, right in the beginning, Nikon's been having a tough time since the tsunami and the earthquake, and you know they've lost a lot of. Um, I wouldn't say maybe not a lot of people, but they've definitely lost a lot of heart. Um, According to Nikon, they, they had, didn't have any problems after the tsunami, everything was moving forward, but I mean, they dropped certain models that they were going to release, um, that went out, out of production, um, they skipped some. And, you know, if you look at the Japanese culture, I mean, it's not it's not a kind of place where you admit defeat or anything like that. And also, if you look at the corporate culture worldwide, I mean, if you having, if you have to rebuild a company, the hub, essentially, there's going to be huge political and internal um changes and and that that's a whole different battlefield and, and that game on its own and then you still have to produce good cameras you know everything something's gonna gotta give and in this case i definitely think it was the cameras fuji people think fuji are gonna go out of business they think fuji ugh, sorry sorry fuji not fuji nikon nikon people think nikon are gonna go out of business they definitely are not gonna go out of business um, they're owned by the Mitsubishi Group. It's it's the oldest optical company in Japan. 1917, they came about uh, specializing in optics. Uh, an optic company first, and then a camera company. Um, the, you know, their heritage. It's it's a it's a legacy story for Japan. So Japan won't let Nikon fail. Um, if anything, they'll be absorbed um, by another Japanese brand, or they will get bailed out. I'm pretty sure they'll get bailed out. I mean, they don't just make cameras, they make other things too. Like I mentioned, the Mitsubishi group is massive. So, I think they brought this camera out as a knee-jerk reaction to Canon getting into the game. 
uh, or they just wanted to be in the game. And there's a lot of things wrong with the, the Z7. Z6, not so much, but they both share the same focusing system and a lot of the same traits. The focusing system is completely useless. Um, and the, the image quality, it's, it's got a massive sensor and it's got a 40, I think 46 megapixel sensor in it. And something just doesn't look right with, you know, it's hit and miss. And a camera for that price and with that sort of spec shouldn't be hit and miss. You should be hitting the target real fucking hard every time. So they probably release the firmware later on, like they did, like everyone else do in tech these days. They, they, you'll buy a laptop and it'll be completely like full of bugs until like after the first six months there'll be updates basically daily just to get the thing running properly because people want to be first to market and they want to make a noise about it and they want their product to win in this case it didn't and they couldn't really fix it with the with a firmware update they, they fixed a bit um, but looking at the new model or reviews of the new model that that have come out apparently a lot, a lot of those things are fixed but not completely it's better but um, yeah, I think the company's suffering. I do think they're gonna hit us with a, a like a real flagship model in another two years' time because cameras generally have a like a, a four or five year life cycle. I think closer to four. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see what they're gonna bring to the party and whether I should buy it or not. Uh, as I am now back in the photography game and taking photographs and shooting movies and you know doing all that crazy shit. Now that's that's my view on Nikon, and yeah, I'll put that report back to you on that one soon. Sensors, camera sensors, big, small, tall. <laughs> no, they really there's 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 pretty much uh, about four different types of camera sensors. There's the sensor you have in your cell phone. There's the crop factor sensor that you have in your entry level. DSLR and um, rangefinder cameras or mirrors cameras and then there's a 35 or full frame they call it and medium format and a little bit up from that so your sensor that's in your cell phone it's tiny the sensor that's in a crop factor camera is about the size of uh, a small stamp about half the size of a 35 mil um, 35 mm if you don't know what that is, that is the size of the you would have on your negative back in the day. If you looked at the negatives of your film camera, that's about the size of this 35 mm full frame sensor. And some manufacturers or um, brands actually have slightly smaller sensors. We're talking about a couple of mils here and there. And then you have the medium format, which is uh, about 40 by 50 mils uh, size, which is quite big. That's that's a that's a sizable uh, sensor, about the size of a credit card, roughly, give or take. Um, so compare that to what's on your cell phone, you should be feeling pretty inadequate by now. So pixels, 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 pixels. What are pixels? Pixels are actually the little color. Um, can't really call them sensors, but it's a it's a filter that's on your sensor that contains um, three colors it's got uh, red blue and green and those are the colors that your eyes 
are the most sensitive to and can pick up. You can see red, blue and green and shades thereof. And your brain then takes what your eyes sees and converts that into an image. So the sensor does the same thing. Now, megapixel relates to the million or rounded off million amount of pixels that are in a sensor. In smaller sensors, you can get quite a lot. And you can get even more. In uh, 35mm, you can get the hell of a lot more in medium format. But that doesn't necessarily help you. Because pixels are quite small. You can get 100, 100 megapixels in a 35mm frame easily, if not more. The problem is, what sits behind the pixel is called a photoside. And a photoside is what records what the, the pixel tells it to record. So the smaller your pic your photo side, the you know lower the quality, the, the bigger the size of your photo side, the better the quality. So you can have a cell phone with uh, 50 million pixels sensors in it, but the image quality is going to be completely shut. If you're looking at that on a, on a print or on a, on a seriously big screen, you, you'll start seeing that there's a lot of cracks in the armor and there's a lot of um, shit quality and the camera really only performs in certain certain conditions and they've basically written a shitload of uh, software to cope with the amount of pixels and then try and like you know squeeze the image out of that for you and it's all just a marketing ploy it's just a gimmick um, pixel amount of pixels have nothing to do with image quality the photo sides that's where the quality comes from so what's interesting is that that uh, Apple have not really gone up in pixels all for quite some time, and now you know why. Uh, they've got a very good relation between photo sides and uh, pixels on their, their mobile phones, and it shows the image quality. It also gives you a smaller file size, so you don't have you don't have problems with streaming or sending stuff. It, it just happens quickly, and the quality is good. Um, most Android brands jumped on the Pixel wagon. I've got an Android phone with a like. Bazinga stupid amount of pixels in it and the image quality just isn't really there. It's um, nowhere near what you, you thought it would be. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's how you live and you learn. Now, the pixels that you can get into a crop factor sensor, that is your, say, entry-level sensor that you're getting in professional cameras or semi-professional cameras. Um, these days, the quality they're getting out of those things are really, really good. You're looking at about uh, roughly 20 million pixels inside these sensors, um, and up you wouldn't really go too high, but it's it's the image quality is good. Uh, the relation between the photo sides is, is better than what it was. But if you just to give you an idea, if you've got a, a camera that's about uh, 20, say 23 million pixels or 24 million pixels. Essentially, you have about a 6 to 8 megapixel camera. Just to give you an idea, that's the kind of quality you really have. Because there's a lot of uh, software going into it that's helping it give you a bit of an image. Um, a sort of processing that goes into it. Trying to decode or de-mosaic, de as they call it, the, the data coming from the, the pixels into the photo sites. Uh, but you can still get a very good image of that. Now, in 35mm, you are looking at sensors 20 to 40 um, 47 megapixels. Now, like I said, I, I recently had had a camera with a high 
uh, pixel count in 35 or full frame and the image quality was nowhere near what it should be there was just so many so much data gets dumped in these in these you know in the pixels that that just don't get used so if you're going to buy a 35 mm camera uh, full frame i would not go for a camera with a ridiculously high pixel count Canon launched the R5 a little while ago. It's got also a massive, massive pixel count sensor. It does have a really insane video capabilities. Um, it was a big step forward. I think there's there's another big step forward coming soon, and I think Fuji's going to drop it on everyone, or maybe Nikon. You never know. Um, every couple of years, there's a massive jump in the the, D, the digital camera technology that is sort of released to the general public. And I think they've given us a bit of a taste with the, the Nikon and the Canon and the Sony. Um, they all have high megapixel uh, cameras in them. But it's not quite there. It's, it's not where it should be. If, if you, look, if you're a guy that's making, doing wedding photographs and you're doing portraits and you're shooting video and, and things like that, and it's mostly used online, um, it's it's great for that. Uh, I wouldn't go high. I would stay in the twenties with your pixel count. I wouldn't go high in, in, into the forties. I'd wait a bit and see what happens. Um, if you want that kind of quality, I will advise you to go and get yourself a medium format camera. Now, there's a lot of people out there saying medium format cameras. Oh, they're nothing better. They're just expensive and they're slow. They are expensive and they are slow, but they're not designed for shooting you know sports or um fast moving subjects and and to be to use quickly although you can if you know what you're doing you can probably cover just about any assignment with it you're just not going to have a gazillion frames you know five or six good frames when that's all you really need from a shot um these cameras are expensive the sensors are, are big um, I think the bigger sensor is, uh, is Hasselblad. I was running the bigger sensor now, the HD6 camera. It's a 100 megapixel camera. Sensor is made by Sony. Uh, <laughs> Hasselblad is owned by DJI Ronin these days, just coincidentally. Um, they were bought out or sold to the Chinese company. The Chinese company that um, manufactures all the drones in the world. Hmm, question mark. Anyway, they're now on Hasselblad. Don't know what's going to happen to it. Uh, Hopefully they'll they'll keep running with it and um, the optics will keep coming from Fuji because Fuji actually makes the optics for Hasselblad or used to. Don't tell anyone. Shh, it's a big secret. Um, Fuji make excellent gear. So back to pixels. Photo sides are important. The bigger the photo side, the better the quality. Obviously, in medium format cameras, you can make the photo sides huge. I think you're talking about five. 5.x microns versus 1.x microns in your 35mm um, full-frame camera. So you can see there's a huge difference. And there's, there's people call it the medium format look. It just looks different. It does, because the quality is better and it's got better optics. It's not a look, it's, it's actual performance. So any of the assholes out there that say that medium format's just a money-making thing, it's not. And if you, you'll be hard-pressed to find a serious professional that does not shoot on medium format. They are fucking expensive. Yes, they are. And you need good fucking clients to pay a lot of fucking money. But it's just a better camera. 
Um, so a lot of sour grapes, if you ask me. Uh, the camera I really like at the moment that I'm looking at quite hard is the Fujifilm GFX100. It's also a 100 megapixel camera. Um, it handles like an SLR. It shoots uh, amazing images. It's it's a heavy beast, as you can imagine. It takes big fuck off lenses. Uh, you can uh, really you, if you can't shoot uh, uh, with that, you can't hit the target with that camera. You you really don't know what you're doing. They are a bit trickier to use. They're slower. You have to think about it. Um, you can't just you know use it like a machine gun and just snap 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 all day and then you know pick one of your one out of your million photographs as the winner that's not photography that's getting lucky taking pot shots um, you, this is a camera that makes you think you have to think about the shot think about it beforehand um, even do you know do a technical analysis of the location what, how do you want it what you want um, do your mockups and you can really produce top end like the highest end quality with this camera and what makes this camera um, interesting is it only sells for 10 grand now you're going fuck me 10 grand that's a lot of money and yes it is but considering that the the nearest camera in the same sort of sphere cost about 30 grand without the lenses um, you know you're talking you're talking next level um, when I grow up one day, I want a next level camera, please. Please, Santa, send the money truck. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it for sensor sizes. If you want to, if you want to learn more, more technical stuff, you know, I'm 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 not going to give you the, the same speech, the doctorates, the masters, and the uh, um, professors give you. If you want that kind of information, go and search the Bayer Array and um, photo sites. Everything is there. Everything is online. All the information you want is online. But if you want to buy a camera, if you are looking to be a um, hobbyist, or be it a professional wedding photographer, um, studio photographer, I would look at Fuji. They control uh, basically they own the entire crop factor sensor market. Um, they're producing sick quality lenses, low light lenses, uh, high speed lenses. Uh, they produce a lot of tech for other brands as well. Um, it's a solid system. I would look at Fuji definitely, look hard at Fuji. Uh, and I don't know if they'll ever come up or come out with a full frame sensor camera. They don't need to. They've got medium format at the moment uh, as the sort of consumer camera market. They've got. Uh, crop factor yeah it's no need to risk unless they want to buy Nikon that'll be awesome um, or integrate with Nikon that'll be fantastic so that that's sort of my spiel on sensor sizes it's it's not all about the amount of megapixels it's about the quality you get out of the camera now one last thing before I say bye bye computer games or well, we used to call them TV games but they're called uh, you know just games now I suppose kids are playing games they're playing them from an older age than what but um, I was when I was playing um, 
When I was young, I was told that uh, computer games are terrible, they'll rot your brain, really bad for you, don't do it. I think the NGK burnt a few, you know, Ataris, and drove over them with a bulldozer and then put it in the news. Um, then, many years later, and I'm talking maybe like five or six, maybe ten years ago, time flies, I don't know, I've been in this corona place for a while, in this space. Uh, they actually discovered that TV games, the kind I wasn't allowed to play as a kid, actually built neural pathways um, and helped with hand-eye coordination and it actually helped you to identify patterns and, and learn patterns, which is which has contributed to, I think, a lot of uh, design and, and code and, and industrial growth in the, over the last couple of years and, and many years after. TV games came out. So here's my question. I'm, I have a toddler. I have a PlayStation, which I stopped playing after I had a toddler, pretty much. Uh, and in no way, shape or form is this an attempt for me to get back on the PlayStation using my toddler. But I'm curious to know what games are there for toddlers available on, you know, um, console games. Um, ones that allow them to learn, ones that will enhance uh, their brains. What is out there? I mean, it's it, there's not a lot. Um, I'm going to go buy a game. I'm going to look. I'm going to see which game has the least amount of violence in it and the most amount of, of progressive and encourage, encouragement of thought. I'm going to see what I can find. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. I'm going to see what my kid does with it. Is she drawn to it? Is she not drawn to it? Um, I just have to add, my daughter has had uh, access to to technology um, as much as she wants since uh, she could she figured out what it was, and uh, we've she's at no point been um, obsessive about it. Fine, when it was a new thing, it was like really really interesting to her, but. My kid loves to go outside and go for walk and walks in the forest and you know plays outside and gets annoyed when when daddy's on the computer or on the tablet as they they well should be. Um, it's a bit tricky during Corona. I digress, but it it's not uh, as addictive as I think everyone is making it out to be. I think it's you could definitely strike a balance. I think if you you are your life's not in balance, then you will have an imbalance somewhere in your life. So. Um, don't blame it on computer games but what do you think I'm curious to know what you think what is your take on this do you think it's a good idea or it's a bad idea and yeah that's something I'll be looking at soon uh, my next show I'll also be looking at Sony talking a little bit about Sony I'll be talking a little bit about um, I think music production software because I think it's quite interesting. I think it's something we should look at more. Uh, and I'll be talking about the new iPhone 12 versus iPhone 11 Pro Max to the Max XXL, <laughs> whatever they call the things, these things these days. That is uh, what I'll be talking about. And, you know, maybe I break something else and I have to find some technology and then, you know, we could talk about that as well. Either way. Have a good evening, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.